Well, this morning, the message is entitled Seed Time and Harvest. You know, this is October. How many are happy it's October? I'm happy. It's, I, I like October. There's things about October that I just love. How many love when the leaves start to fall? Everything starts to change colors. What are some things you guys love about October? Halloween. What are some other things? Pumpkin spice everything. I heard there's pumpkin spice. There's pumpkin spice everything. How many, how many like pumpkin spice? Oh, wow. <laughs> what are some other things in October that you like? Cardigans? Okay, there you go. I guess I could wear them too. There's a lot of people that have birthdays in October. Any, any, October. Harvest. Colin, what were you going to say? No? What? Birthday. Awesome. Cool. I saw him raise his hand, so <laughs> I call him out. Ann? You love the colors. I love the colors, too. I like that, and I don't, don't, don't remind me of this in February, but I like that snow is on its way. I like that snow is going to be here soon. That first snow of winter. Actually, I was reading, I was listening to the news yesterday, and they said sometimes it snows in October. So, actually, I'd be okay if it just snowed a little bit in October, and then it didn't snow. No, I wouldn't. I love it, Christmas and snowing. But we have a lot of really good things about October. The changing of the seasons, pumpkin spice is everywhere. You can't get away from it now. Everything you do is pumpkin spice. That's okay. A lot of apples, that's right. Going on trips with your family to the pumpkin patch or the apple farm. Just spending time with your family, spending time with your kids and having fun. That's a, the, the, biggest, the biggest event. What would be the biggest event of all of October would be harvest. Wouldn't that be right? I mean, harvest is kind of the big thing, especially around here, that this is what farmers have been preparing for. This is what they prepared their ground for, right? Doug, didn't you prepare your ground? Dale prepared his ground. Other people I know prepared their ground. And now it's the time for harvest. It's getting to that time where they will be how many, what, what would you say as far as not 12-hour days? They could be 18-hour days, sometimes 24-hour days, and just doing, just collecting and doing what they have to do. And that's their work. But it's the biggest event of the fall. It's, it's the harvest. It's what we've been here for. It's what they've been preparing the ground for. It's, it's what they get all, everything ready and set for. Because when it comes to the harvest, they know that this is what they have to do. Let's go to Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. And I want to talk to you this morning about the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. It says this, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that had gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teachings said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Go to the next one, please. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. 
It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold, or some a hundred times. And then Jesus said this, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He basically told the story of the sower, and then he said, hey, does anybody hear me now? If you have ears to hear, please hear this. This is what he's saying. See, Jesus was a fan of parables. Jesus was a big fan of parables. These were basically short stories that highlighted God's principles in ways that could be easily understood and easily understood to the people that he was speaking to. Jesus was saying that whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. If you have ears to hear, you can understand this, is what he's saying. There's, he, he's taking this great big God principle and putting it in terms that they can understand. You have to understand that Jesus was speaking to farmers and fishermen. He was speaking to the unlearned. It's not just rabbis and scholars in the temple, but it's meant to be learned by everybody. So Jesus brought it down to their level. He brought it down to their level. He said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, because you can understand this. He goes into the purpose of parables in verses 10 through 12, and he says this. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. God, why didn't you just give us the principle? Jesus, why didn't you just tell us what the principle? Why did you have to go into a story? Why did, I mean, can't you just tell us what it is? And he told them this. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may ever be ever seen but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, let me say that again. They may be ever seen but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might, be, they might turn and be forgiven. i got to be honest with you. First time I read that, what is going on? First, I didn't understand it. I said, God, what are, you know, what, what are you trying to say here? That they may be ever seen, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And i got to say, did, did anybody get that? Because sometimes we look at Scripture and we have to dig in a little bit, right? Sometimes we look at it and we don't quite understand it the first time. But because of its importance, we have to dig into it. We have to look at Scripture carefully. We can't just glance over it. So we dig deep into it. And if you, if you don't understand it, find resources who can explain it to you. Amen? When you're reading your Bible, you come across something you say, well, I'm not sure what that, that means. You've got to find resources that will help you understand it. So let me break it down for you. Jesus here is speaking, we already talked about, he's speaking to the farmers and the fishermen. He's speaking to the servants and the handmaidens. 
He's not, I mean, there's some people there who are learned. There's some people there who are scholars. There's some people there who are pretty smart and have the money and have the influence. But mostly, he's speaking to everyday people. He's speaking to everyday people. He's speaking to the servants, the slaves. He's speaking to the, the everyday, hardworking people doing what they have to do. Amen? Isn't that you and isn't that me? He's speaking to the people doing what they have to do. He's speaking to the factory workers this morning. He's speaking to the farmers. He's speaking to those people that go and work at Polaris. Hear what I'm saying? He's speaking to the people at High V and Fairway. He's speaking to the everyday people just day in and day out. Right? He's speaking to everybody. And I wonder how many times we, we lose this. Because here's the thing. It says, they may be ever seen, but never perceiving. What does that mean? Let's stop it right there that they may see the truth, that the truth is there. God's principles are there. They might see it, but they don't perceive it. They might see it, they might hear it, but they don't understand it. Or they may hear it, ever hearing, but they never understand it. And so these people that, that they, they, they haven't gone into the deepness of Scripture and haven't become scholars, they, they haven't done these things, they might hear the Word but not understand the Word. Otherwise, they might turn. If they understood it, if they knew what was being said, they might turn and be forgiven. That's exactly what it's saying. You see, the disciples say, well, why do you speak in parables? Jesus, why are you telling these stories? Because he was a fan of parables. I like the parables that he, he did. I, I really love the uh, prodigal son. It's one of my favorite parables. And people say, well, who is the prodigal son? It's a parable. It's a story to illustrate a principle. And so he uses these principles, and, but he says this. He says, listen, if, if I don't speak to them in this way, they won't get it. If I don't speak to them in this way, they can't grab a hold of the truth. And God desperately wants them to grab a hold of the truth. Amen? Amen? We have to, we have to, he, he is putting it in the language they will understand. And I wonder how many times in our Christian faith, in our Christian walk, do we miss this? Do we lose this? Bryce, don't yawn. <laughs> We have an opportunity to share our faith, right? We have an opportunity to share our faith with somebody. And, and what, do we, what do we do? Sometimes we start using words and phrases that they're just not going to understand. There's a term for this. Does anybody know what the term is? Speaking Christianese. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever spoke Christianese to somebody? Bryce, come on up. <laughs> It's just because you showed up late to church, man. So, <laughs> I'm already up here. <laughs> no. Bryce is an unsaved person. Now, not in, you know, just for the illustration here. Bryce doesn't know anything about church, doesn't know anything about Jesus, does, didn't grow up in Sunday school like you and me, right? Bryce, I, just, I, I happened to meet him at a football game. My team's winning, his team's losing. That's, that's just how it goes. 
<laughs> no, we like the same team. So we're, they're both winning, right? That's good. And I start talking to him about Jesus. Hey, Bryce, how you doing today, brother? Awesome. <laughs> First off, brother, you're not my brother. That's what I think. I used to have people say all the time, brother, brother this, sister this. I didn't see you at my family reunion. That's, <laughs> that's what I used to think. I thought, not my brother. Brother this, sister this. And I know that's kind of a thing that we kind of grew up with in the church now. So we say brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, right? Well, let me ask you something, Bryce. Have you asked Jesus in your heart? Do you even know what that means, Bryce? No. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, are you walking in the spirit this morning? No. No? Are you sure? Because you could be. <laughs> Take a seat, Bryce. Thanks. How many ever spoke Christianese? How many of these terms that we know that when, when we're talking to church people, they, they know. I can talk to Doreen and I say, you know, talk about Jesus being in your heart. Doreen knows exactly what I mean. Isn't that right? Please? <laughs> yes? <laughs> what, are some, what are some terms that you've heard or that you've said? What are some terms that, that to people outside of the church circle might not quite understand? Sanctified. Oh, I'm just sanctified today. You ever get that? You ever hear that? Predestined. That's a good one. Hey, let's have fellowship together. What does that mean? Eschatology. That's a good one. The hermeneutical homiletics. That's hermeneutically accurate. I've had people say that to me. I said, what are you talking about? Hey, how about this? Look, we're, we're going to be doing life together. You ever hear that? We're just doing life together. These kind of Christian terms that nobody outside the church really understands. Nobody outside that. Here's a few. Are you in the Word? Are you in the Word this morning? What, what does that mean? Am I in the Word? They are backslidden. You hear that one? They're backslidden. We know what that means here, but, but people outside the church, they don't have a clue what it means. And some people inside the church don't know what it means. Right? Let's partake of the Lord's table. We're going to be doing that later today. <laughs> it's the first Sunday of the month. We're doing communion. Let's say, let's partake of the Lord's table. They don't know. Have you had your quiet time today? Have you had your quiet time? They don't know. Here's a good, here's a good one. Have you been washed by the blood? <laughs> Gary, have you been washed by the blood? Yeah. What does that mean? To the people outside of here, how do they know? Here's the, is Jesus in your heart? Bryce, is Jesus in your heart? That's good. One pastor wrote this about Christianese. What exactly does it mean to have Jesus in my heart? I'm not an emotional kind of guy, so please don't ask me to sing songs or cry or hold hands with Jesus, especially in public. Do I have to emasculate myself to become a Christian? Instead of telling people they need Jesus in their heart, try this. When we admit our imperfections, believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for our mistakes, 
and accept his sacrifice, we can start a new relationship with God. Do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? There are ways that, see, Jesus used parables to speak to those who didn't quite understand the principles. And so how many times in our lives, the pastor says this, I understand the importance of our theologically rich Christian language, and don't let me diminish it. We shouldn't diminish it. Those are good things. And as a Christian, I often use similar words when talking with other Christians. But when I'm talking with unbelievers, I try to think about how I used to hear and interpret those words before I became a Christian. How do I share what I believe? I take the time to translate important Christian concepts for those who might be willing to entertain the ideas if only they understood what they were in the first place. They might be able to entertain the ideas. They might be able to think upon the principles of God if only they understood what they were in the first place. We don't want to be guilty of pushing people away from the gospel just because we're busy showing them what big words we know. This doesn't mean we don't share the gospel. Jesus never watered down the truth of the gospel. Amen? Never watered down the truth of the gospel. But he was always putting it in terms that they could grasp and hold on to. Amen? It's important. Shouldn't it be important that Jesus is our example? Jesus is our, Jesus is our example in everything we do, especially when reaching the unbeliever. And it brings us back to the parable. Go back to the, uh, go to the next slide. Brings us back to the parable here. He says this. Then Jesus said to them, verse 13 to 14, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? If you don't understand this parable, if you don't understand this parable of the sower and the seed, you will not understand any parable. And then he says these words, the farmer sows the seed, or sows the word. Different translations say it different ways. But the, the, one translation says it this way, the sower sows the seed. The sower sows the seed. Doug, let me ask you a question. If you never sow the seed, do you expect a harvest? Why not? Nothing will grow but weeds. Dale, if you never sow a seed, do you expect a harvest? No. The sower sows the seed, or the farmer sows the word. This is where the word's going to get a little challenging. This is where it's going to, don't step on my toes, Pastor Dave. The farmer or the sower sows the word. Don't expect a harvest if you never sow the seed. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but ask yourself this question. In this last year, how many people have you led to the Lord? In the last year. We could go back further. The last two years. The last five years. 
How many people have you shared your faith with? You see, we see a pattern in the early church. Acts 2 and verse 47 says, Every day the Lord added to them who were being saved. Every day the Lord added to them who were being saved. Later in the chapter of Mark, uh, Jesus says this, When you have a lamp, do you hide it under a basket or under your bed? When you have a lamp, when you have a lamp, isn't that lamp, lamp meant to show light? When you have a lamp, do you hide it under your bed? Do you hide it under a basket? No. You don't hide it under a bed or a basket. It's meant to be a lampstand. Is your faith on a lampstand? Is it hidden? Do you only bring it out on Sundays? Do you only bring it out on Sunday mornings? Does, is, is your faith up high for all to see? Or do you only bring it out on certain days of the week, maybe on holidays? Is it visible at your jobs? Is it visible at your school? Is it visible with your friends and with your family? There was a poll. Uh, it, was, it was taken by, recently taken, to see what church leaders and church members thought of this question. And this was the results. The, the, the question was this. Why do you think many churches aren't sharing Christ with others as they once were? Why do you think many churches aren't sharing Christ with others as they once were? Here are the top answers. Christians have no sense of urgency to reach lost people. Many Christians and church members do not befriend and spend time with lost people. Many Christians and church members are lazy and apathetic. We are known more for what we are against than what we are for. Our churches have a strategy of you come rather than we go. Don't shout me down. It's, it hurts me too. Many church members think that sharing Christ is the role of the pastor and paid staff. It's just not their job. Church membership today is more about getting my needs met rather than reaching the lost. Church members are in a retreat mode as culture becomes more worldly and unbiblical. Many church members don't really believe that Christ is the only way of salvation. Our church houses are no longer houses of prayer equipped to reach the lost. Churches, churches have lost their focus on making disciples who will thus be equipped and motivated to reach the lost. Almost done. The pain's almost over. Christians do not want to share the truth of the gospel for fear they will offend others. Political correctness is too commonplace even in the church. Here's the last uh, two more. 
most churches have members who have not received Christ themselves. And the last one. Our churches have too many activities. They are too, too busy doing things that don't matter to do the things that really matter. This is tough. It doesn't just point, point at you. It points at me. This is tough. Do, do we care about sharing our faith? Is our light on the lampstand? I remember, Mary, I love you. Mary, Mary I, I love Mary. Mary is, is, reminds me of my grandmother in a good way. <laughs> my grandmother, everywhere she went, I've shared this with you, everywhere she went, she was sharing, the, uh, she was sharing with people. Everywhere she went, we'd go to the grocery store. She'd see somebody in the checkout line. How you doing today? And listen, it wasn't about always what she said. It was about how she made them feel. They felt loved when she talked to them. But it was about what she said. She would say, how are you doing today? Hey, can I, can I talk to you about Jesus? Everywhere she went. We went on a camping trip one year. We were on the beach. It was a nice night. We were walking along the beach. Grandma had a camper. We'd, you, she had those camper. We, we'd uh, set up the camper, and there was little lights outside the camper, so you'd sit outside and just enjoy the night. And We went for a walk on the beach, and we're walking along the beach, and some strangers come the other way. I don't know who it is. She doesn't know who it is. But guess what? She sees somebody that needs Jesus. So <laughs> the guy's walking. I'm walking with Grandma. And she sees the guy, and, hey, do you mind if I share something with you this morning? She didn't say this morning. It was at night. Are we excited about sharing our faith? Are we excited? About, is, is our lamp on a lampstand, or is it hidden under a basket? Is it hidden under the bed? Is it hidden under, uh, just hidden away? Well, Pastor David, you know, I don't want to interfere with people. It's their personal space, Pastor David. I, I want to be careful not to offend them. They, they might think I'm weird. And then if they think I'm weird, they're not going to want to listen to what I have to say. They might think I'm weird. Are you excited about sharing what God has done for you? There's just some times where I am overwhelmed by what God has done for me. Are you excited about sharing those things God has done for you? Here's the funny thing. You know, it's fun. we get excited about things all the time. And, and listen, when I get excited about things, I can't wait to tell everybody. I can't wait to get on Facebook and say, Michigan won. I can't wait. Bryce, as, as Bryce came in the door this morning, we're talking about football. Other people came in the door. Dave, we're talking about the game, right? That's okay. They're, but we get excited about things. Boy, if I see a good movie, how many of you know, if you see a really good movie, you want to tell everybody else, you need to go see this movie. I, I like action movies and thrillers. and you know, There was a, you know, I'll get on Facebook. I, oh, you wouldn't believe this movie. you got to go check it out. Doug, have you seen the movie? You're asking people, have you seen the movie? Have you seen the TV show? It's amazing. 
We get excited about these things, right? I wonder why we don't do the same with our faith. These are tough questions with tough answers. But the fact is that if I know something exciting is happening in my life, everybody around me is going to know it too. Right? Everyone around me is going to know it. If your sports team is doing well, if Iowa was doing well this year, you know every. I don't want <laughs> to get into it. If your sports team is doing people don't have to leave the service. <laughs> Stacy's like, I love Iowa. Don't say that. <laughs> no. But when we get excited about something, we tell everybody. Everyone's going to know. We're not afraid. You see, that's the thing. You say, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, this is my life. We're not afraid to share our lives. We're not afraid to share our lives with people, but we're afraid to share our faith. Why? See, the sower sows the word. We can't expect the harvest if we never sow the seed. Amen? We can't expect a harvest if we never sow the seed. I know this is tough. Some people, Mark 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, 15 through 20, says some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. That the word that was sown to them takes away the word. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of, the, because of the word, they quickly fall away. Go to the next one. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But hear this. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Austin, if you could come up, please. Some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold, a hundred times. A sower sows the word. Amen? Amen? This is a challenge. This is a challenge this week. This is a challenge to you. It's a challenge to me. Are we sowing the word in our life? Wherever we go. Wherever we go. Are we sowing the word? You see, uh, I was at a football game this last week. Go midgets. Right? I was at the homecoming game, and I, I got to be honest. <laughs> I was laughing about this with Stacy earlier. I was in, like, the daycare section of the stadium. <laughs> so, was he, so was she. Little kids running back and forth and, and cutting in front. And I, This is how it goes, right? But I found myself sitting next to some middle school kids, sitting next to a kid who, who had dropped out of high school. 19 years old, dropped out of high school. I don't need to go into who he was or what his name was or anything like that. But we're sitting there and we're talking to him, laughing and kind of 
the game was there. And I just found there was just an opportunity just to share my story with him. Not to say, you need to get right, you need Jesus, get saved now or go to hell. It wasn't anything like that. It was, hey, listen, you know what? I've been where you've been. I've been where you've been. I dropped out of high school. I had to get my life right. I had to wake up. I'm telling you, there's hope for you, man. Let's just start talking to him. It wasn't a very long conversation. But you're sowing the seed wherever you go. You're sowing the seed wherever you go. You see, you throw the seed out here. And you say, well, Pastor David, well, what about the parable? Because sometimes the seed falls on the hard ground. Sometimes it falls along the path and there's no growth. Sometimes it falls along the rocky ground where there's a little bit of growth, but when the sun comes, it just burns it up. Sometimes you throw it and it's among thorns. And as it grows, it gets choked out. Why? I mean, Pastor David, we read the parable. Why, why would I even waste my time putting my seed there? Why would I even waste my time throwing my seed where it wouldn't grow? The sower sows the word. And you want to know what's interesting? It's not our responsibility to judge the ground. It's not our responsibility to judge the ground. It's our responsibility to sow the seed. It's our responsibility. You pray over it. You water it. You say, God, let me clear away the thorns in Jesus' name. Let me clear away the rocks. Let them take root. Let me help them grow. It's our job to sow the seed. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bring them up. Amen? The sower sows the word. This is a challenge this morning. Pray over it. Let the Holy Spirit do his job in bringing growth. But don't forget to do your job in sowing the seed. You can never bring in a harvest if you never sow the seed. All you get is weeds. Isn't that right? Let's pray. Lord, I, we come before you this morning. Boy, God, what a challenging message. Push us outside of our box. Lord, I, I pray this, 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 this week that you would bring us opportunity to sow seed into people's lives. Lord, that you would challenge us to step out in our faith. That you would challenge us to step out in our communities, at our schools, at our jobs. Lord, thank you for giving us this challenge because the sower sows the word. Lord, I pray that that everybody in this church would be challenged this week. That they would come across someone who just who just needs to uh, just needs some fresh water. Who just needs a fresh drink. Who who just needs to the, the the ground is ready. It's right there. 
let us be aware of sowing the word. Bring us opportunities, Lord. Help us to to step up in those things. Lord, I pray that you would minister to us this week, that your Holy Spirit would just cover us this week. Lord, I know there's people here who, who are going through some things right now. Lord, don't let that stop them from sowing the word. Lord, that you would comfort them, that you would lift them up, that you would give them peace. say, Pastor David, I'm not very comfortable, you know, talking to people about this stuff. Just, just, you know, hey, you want to come to church with me this Sunday? Not a big deal. Hey, are you struggling with something? I'm struggling with the same thing. Let's, Let's work through this together. It's about seed time and harvest. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.